I'm Buddy Martin, and this is the Best Fridays in Football podcast with Urban Meyer and Terry Bradshaw. It's time now for Coach Urban Meyer. It is the Best Fridays in Football, named after an event he always held when he was coaching. And this is our podcast, and Coach Meyer joins us now from, I think he might be in Las Vegas, but I'm not sure. Urban, where are you? Yeah, we're in Las Vegas. I had stayed out west instead of traveling all the way back. So, yeah, we're doing some uh, uh, some little event here in Vegas and then headed back to uh, California tomorrow. All right, so the show, of course, is uh, it really become my favorite foot college football show. I really got to tell you, I've enjoyed it. Um, and, and you guys have, I think you have the Red River Shootout. Can you call it that anymore? Maybe you don't call it that. I don't know. But it's, Yeah, they stay away from the shootout, but uh, it's, Unfortunately, it doesn't have the same same sting that we've had in the past. Uh, with the both teams are struggling a little bit. Uh, Oklahoma losing last week and Texas losing last week, so Oklahoma's actually lost two in a row out of the top twenty-five. And uh, you know, we we did this game it was my first involvement with this game last year. It was incredible down in Dallas, Texas, in the fairgrounds and a great rivalry, great historic rivalry, but. It's still going to be a, a robbery game, but not at the same level that it's been in the past. Yeah, critics are calling it the Pink River Shutout. You know, it's just a shout, Pink River Shootout. Anyway, is somewhat like Florida, Georgia. I've been to the Texas uh, Oklahoma game, and it's a spectacle on a neutral site. And those two are probably as big as they get for a neutral site game. Yeah, the neutral site is incredible. Uh, I, I tell people all the time that although that was probably my most miserable game. Because sitting in that Sawgrass Hotel at the Marriott, realizing that you cannot lose that game and realizing also that the team you're getting ready to play has as good of players as anyone in America. You know, Georgia's always had great players. And just in my era, um, I remember, you know, for, they had three first-round draft picks on offense by himself with uh, Stafford, no Sean Marino, and A.J. Green. So Spurrier created a a monster not you, you weren't a not you simply were not allowed to lose that game and all old gators believe that's the ultimate rivalry game and boy the stress on that one sitting in that hotel room thinking what we're getting ready to go do in that incredible environment i don't know if you remember 08 uh we've never seen the push or the uh traffic and uh, we couldn't even get to the stadium and people were bailing their cars to i saw people leaving their cars in traffic so they could just walk to the game I was in that traffic. I can remember it well. <laughs> I did get there for the kickoff, but just barely. And, you know, you talk about that game like you weren't successful. You were extremely successful in that game. There was a lot of stress, no doubt about that, and still is. And I want to talk about those expectations. Thanks a lot, Steve Spurrier. He's made it pretty impossible for anybody. And I want to talk a little bit more about Georgia. Georgia looked to me a lot better than I thought. First of all, they got their defense looks like an NFL defense almost. And second, this is just my two cents worth. And their quarterback played pretty good. I, I was impressed how he played. Yeah, to think he was a, in July, he was a fourth string quarterback for Georgia. And he came in, and, and I watched some of the game as well. They just they look like a Georgia team, big, physical, fast, like you said, on defense. You know, I'm going to study it more as we go here, but. I, they look like they're all NFL players, like a typical Georgia defense. And I was kind of surprised, pleasantly surprised about their function on offense because I thought it'd be a mess. You know, the week before, 
they were terrible on offense and kind of got it together in the second half, but they looked, they looked very good. And that, you know, Florida's, Florida's looking, uh, you know, in my opinion, you know, we're, we're just got to pump the brakes a little bit on all these teams until they play a, a ranked team, a good team. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, Florida's able to do in uh, West Texas at College Station against Jimbo Fisher's uh, team. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, by the way, uh, got that $75 million tag on him, and that's uh, almost like, a, as I said, a gaudy, cheap Cracker Jacks turnover chain. <laughs> it's really going to cause him some burdens. This is one he's under a lot of pressure. Talk about pressure. He's got to do something, and this is his moment. But Florida is a seven-point, six-and-a-half-point uh, favorite. Give me your take on this game, and we know about Dan's uh, offense doing so well, but they sputtered last week and couldn't finish the job. And I'm sure you at least saw highlights. What is your take on the Florida-Texas A&M game at noon Saturday? Well, can you imagine, you know, years ago when Texas A&M was one of the top jet, top 10 jobs in America, great resources, incredible uh, college and college town. I coached down there. I brought a Utah team down there and was blown away with the 12th man and the fan support. And, and I remember, you know, trying to recruit against them in the day. And then they made the decision that to this day, I scratched my head and say, why in the world would you leave your conference and go to the SEC West? I don't, that's something someday that I think people need to research and say, why in the world did you do that? Because of their anger at Texas and maybe financially. But recruiting to me has taken a, a dip when you do that. You know, parents, when we recruit against schools like Arkansas, A&M, uh, Nebraska, to me, all made decisions that football people, in my opinion, wouldn't make. Because when you have conversation about college football, it shouldn't be about money. It should be about recruiting. And you're taking the best high school talent and best coached high school talent in America, Texas, and you're moving a flagship school, Texas A&M, into the SEC West. That means all those families are now going to have to make big-time sacrifices to go watch their kids play in the SEC West. Ole Miss, Mississippi, Auburn, Alabama, and LSU does it, or LSU does. But those other schools, they don't mean anything to people in Texas. You know what I mean? Some of the people in Texas, Texas, Texas A&M. I'm sorry, Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma, that corridor of great football. And the people who made that decision took Texas A&M. And, and to me, I, I don't know if they'll ever be the same. I'm 100% with you. It's almost artificial. Somehow Missouri needs to go back to the Big 8 if it was still there. And Texas A&M belongs to the Southwest Conference. And no matter what you say, it will never be a rivalry for teams like Florida. So it's the disparity there, I agree with you. And while we're at it, Coach, can you help me out a little bit here? Some of the people on the other network, uh, which you like to call up north, this is the one that you would call up north, they kind of keep trying to sell me on the idea, watch out for these teams like Kentucky. Watch out for Tennessee. Watch out Watch out what? They got to win something. They can't contend for the – championship if they win don't win the east or west and some of these teams are in my mind overrated a lot in the early season yeah I, I, but i think that's just generating buzz and generating conversations so people can watch i will say that tennessee i did watch them last week and it, it kept we sit in a room where there's about nine televisions and we have all the games on it just kind of sit and i i just remember the 2005 six 
07 version of Tennessee, big, thick, athletic looking team that had a bunch of NFL talent on it. And I, they kept catching my eye. You know, it's been many, many years since Tennessee in my mind's looked like that. You know, I was on the sideline coaching against them in 2000 and what was it? Five. Well, we or no 2006. We went up to Knoxville and beat them 21, 20 in the most, in a extremely loud environment, great environment, great players on both sides of the field. And we somehow won that game. And to me, after that, Tennessee didn't look the same. You know, the players didn't look the same. They weren't, they weren't built up like they look now. So I, I'm, I'm anxious to see if they continue to grow. But you're right, before, you know, it, it's just, but I, I get it. I mean, they're trying to stimulate conversation. And, and but Tennessee does look a lot, lot better to me. They're better, but they're not in the class of the teams that like what they're going to have to play against. In my opinion, that's just me. I'm just a listener and a viewer and a sometimes writer. And uh, Coach, I want to get to the Big Ten because you got the big week coming up and want to talk to Nebraska. But first, I want to talk to you about something you've mentioned two or three times and mentioned again today about the expectations. Damn Steve Spurrier made it tough for everybody. I remember when you said, when you came in there, first of all, you said they asked you if you'd wear a visor, and you said, yeah, but never around here. And you also said, uh, you talked about uh, uh, the shadow of Steve hanging over the field, which you said, as it should be. Being That being said, if you don't beat Georgia and you're not competing for a national championship and you're not getting the points in the offense and whatever, you know, Gator fans are not going to put up with it. Talk about the unbelievable almost unreasonable expectations that Gator Yeah, Florida was, that, that was created by a guy, by the guy we all know and love Steve Spurrier. And I used to talk to him about that and it, did it impact me? It impacted me big time. Is it, does it impact Dan Mullen? Sure. He's beaten teams that he's been better than the last few weeks. And, you know, just think about this, that people have talked about how good Florida has done the last couple of years yet they haven't made the SEC uh, championship game. And when Steve Spurrier was a coach, when I was a coach there, if you didn't make the championship game, you, it was a failure. Uh, you failed. It was a, and I, there was no mixed emotion about it, but I think Florida's had some struggles. I don't think they have. And here Dan's brought it back and done a really good job, but you can't say until you get that ring on your finger at Florida, that's that to me and to Gator nation, Unless something's changed, I haven't been there in a minute, but unless something's really changed, uh, if they don't go to Atlanta, it's a failure. And now, and not only go to Atlanta, win it. So, yeah, there, there's uh, great programs go through tough times. However, great programs' expectations don't drop. And I can't imagine University of Florida has changed their expectations. I can't. And so this is a big year, you know, the honeymoon, and he's done an excellent job. Um, he's a dear friend of mine, but he know, we talked about it. You know, that's, that's fine to beat the team, you know, Ole Miss, et cetera. But there's going to be one thing that matters. Can you beat Georgia? And can you go to Atlanta and win? No doubt about it. You know that better than anybody. And so now he has to go to Texas A&M. I thought, interestingly enough, their quarterback's name, Kyle Trask, Kyle was named after the stadium, Kyle Field. His parents are graduates of Texas A&M, and here he is. Kyle, the namesake, coming out of nowhere, off the bench, didn't start, you know, before at all since a freshman in high school. Now, suddenly in the Heisman conversation, going to West Texas where his parents went to school to play in a field that he was named after. Now, how's that for a story? 
Yeah, I didn't realize that. What a great storyline. And Kyle Trask, I made the uh, comment before because I watched him a lot. Made this comment before that he's a really he's a good quarterback, but good good quarterbacks don't survive at Florida. You have to be a great quarterback. And he is really, I mean, he looks like he's making those strides. But once again, pump the brakes when they play a team that's equated to talent. And you have to once again, unless once again you got to, but but you know more than I do. Let me know if the whole uh, expectation level has changed to Florida. All of a sudden, second place in the SEC East is acceptable. So Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, Dan, uh, they've done exactly what they're supposed to do, but there's so much football to be played. Um, so a, a quarterback, why is Tom Brady the best? He's got the most rings on his finger. Uh, I think Kyle Trask is having a great year, but I, I'm anxious to watch him down the road here. Your friend Terry Bradshaw is glad to hear you say that because every now and then he's going to break out his four Super Bowl rings when he starts arguing with people. Certainly he's done that for sure, and he, of course, is on this program with us, Terry Bradshaw, on the best Fridays in football. I'm glad to have Terry aboard. All right, let's get to a hot tape because, look, this isn't like you exactly had a candy store there. I mean, you came into a situation where, you know, it could have gone either way, but, I mean, you inherited good talent. You couldn't win the championship or go to a bowl. You got it down the road, got it steered in the right direction, and you won a national championship. You're in contention. You're in the top five almost every year and competing. And Ohio State now uh, has expectations. Talk about the difference in Ohio State expectations than they were in Florida. Well, there's no difference. There, there's, uh, you know, you, you go to the champ. The only difference is the championship games in Indianapolis versus Atlanta. Um, you get measured. The quarterback is is measured. Ryan Day's measured on championships, and that's that's it. Then I, I kind of I agree. I don't kind. I absolutely agree with that. And that's you don't you know no one's made Dan Mullen. No one's made Ryan Day. Myself uh, go coach at these places. Uh, but it is what it is. And a coach is not going to change expectations. A couple down years is not. So Ohio State is championship or bust. Um, what has changed. At Ohio State, it's national championship or bust. It's been, you know, Ohio State has been so dominant in the Big Ten in the last decade that uh, it, the, the word national championship or bust is, and that we all know how hard that is, and we, we did it in 2014, but they're loaded. They have a great team. They need to stay healthy and, and focus on one game at a time. Well, it's out there for them because I look at the schedule right now. We talked about it some, and, of course, Nebraska being the first one, which we want to talk about a little bit here in a minute, uh, and that, that's a schedule that, you know, really, to be honest with you, being cold-hearted about it, there's two games, really, basically, that you have to win. And that's uh, obviously, aside from the obvious, which is the opener. Uh, the Penn State game on the 31st is a huge game, as you know, and have said so. And, of course, Michigan now on December the 12th. But it's a schedule that's very manageable, and I expect Ohio State to, to lo- vault into the top three or four teams soon if they're convincing against Nebraska, which they should be. Your thoughts about that? They're that good, aren't they? They're that good in the schedule, like you said. You hate to use the term easy, but that, I mean, they're playing Penn State, and one of the things that makes Penn State great, other than their talent, they have a very good coach, is that environment that you had to go play in. That environment now is a scrimmage environment. Um, I've coached in four of those, and that's like an LSU night game. I mean, that's one of those ones I I made the comment, a 10-point differential. And I heard someone say, are you sure? I mean, yeah, I've coached in the game. Of course, it's a 10-point differential uh, that they're not going to deal with. And, and right now, how, who knows how good the rival is, uh, the Wolverines. You know, they, 
I, I think I'm not sure how good they're going to be this year. So other than that, they don't have the typical uh, non-conference top 20 team, top 15 team that they, you know, they were scheduled to play Oregon at Oregon. So this is going to be, you'll see a double digit favor in every game they play. Urban Meyer, the best Fridays in football podcast. Coach, a couple more about Nebraska. First of all, Scott Frost. Uh, he's apparently getting hammered with, with paperwork. And you know this, you got to get your team ready. And not everything is coaches, X's and O's. And here's a quote he said, quote, I'm just trying to get a football team ready right now. The documents they've been sending us are 20 pages long and read like contracts. Yeah, I'm not sure what he's talking about, if it's COVID or what. But um, Yeah, COVID, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, even Dan Mullen told me one time, he said, I spend you know, 95% of my time on stuff other than football. And he needs to have a good, I'm sure he does have good support staff around him, but obviously you got to take care of your business, do what you got to do with that stuff. All right, so Nebraska, you might say you kind of owe Nebraska a little bit. They they, they yell and scream and and they they uh, sued and made noise and the parents stepped up big time, and you've commented on that before. Nebraska made an awful lot of noise because as bad as it is without football in Ohio State and Gainesville, in Nebraska there is no life without football, as you know. So Nebraska helped you get where you are now. They're playing football, and you're about to open up the Big Ten. Well, there's two choices I always tell people. It's, like, it's a little bit like in 2006 when we were at Florida. Uh, we won that game against Arkansas, and you know the most analysts came out and said that uh, Ohio State and the Wolverines needed a rematch in the national championship game. And I was forced with a decision, you know, grab my bag and go home and not protect and fight for my players and families. And I think you know me well enough that, that to me that's not a good leader. If you don't agree with it, then you say your piece. Not be disrespectful, but say your piece. So what did we do at Florida? We came out and swung as hard as we can and said, you know, that's, that's not the right thing to do. The right thing to do is give Florida. We've earned an opportunity to go play in the national championship game where we backed it up. I think when Scott Frost, Ryan Day, and James Franklin, three up the time, I know there were others, but there was also some other coaches decided to not. They were told to stand down, and they did. So they must not have believed that that was the right thing to do, which is that's their choice. But when I hear someone criticize Scott Frost, the Nebraska fans, and the administration to support something that they believed was not right, uh, that that kind of bothered me, is that obviously they've not. I made the comment they have not recruited, and they've not coached, because the ultimate job of a coach, is, to the players they recruit, is to fight for them at all costs, as hard as you possibly can, and that's what they did. Don't know if you heard, but the governor is opening up everything now, and there's talk about the, the stadium crowds increasing. One rumor going around, unconfirmed, but I heard it from a good source. Is, first responder is they're thinking of LSU of opening the gates up and letting more people come in. I don't know if we're ready for that or not. What's your take on full stadiums and whether they should go there or not? Well, I have no idea. I think those are all any, you know, a coach should not even get involved in that because you're talking about a very serious issue. And, and uh, you know, that's up to science, people of science and doctors, not coaches. So, you know, I've talked to other colleagues about that as well, that, you know, that, that is something you stand down on. You know, if, if it's not safe and the doctors come out and say, Coach, it doesn't matter what you say, it's not safe, then you got to do what you got to do. Good answer. Now, Coach, I have to have a serious conversation with you for the next 30 seconds, okay? I want you to focus on this big issue that has to be addressed, all right? 
I saw them put a chain around your neck last show like it was a turnover chain. It was the big noon, whatever it was, uh, and you couldn't wait to get it off. I know how you feel about these things. Uh, so what was that like? And secondly, is there anything that would be acceptable that teams could do that wouldn't be so offensive? Oh, sure. I just, uh, I just, I love to, I actually love to say I'm old fashioned about anything that draws attention to you over your team. Uh, we would not allow that. You know, one of the rules we had at Florida, Ohio state, when a young man scored a touchdown, he flipped the ball, to the official, and the first thing he had to do was go hug an offense lineman. It's, we say hug a big guy. And I would tell the player that if you don't do that, make sure you, you know, go ahead and take your helmet off, shoulder pads, everything, throw it in the stands and, have a good time with it because that's going to be your last touchdown for a while. Just, I believe in celebrating with, especially the guys that do all the work, you know, quite honestly, when Tim Tebow scored a touchdown, he was the first one that knew that those pounces and uh, Trotwine and the Watkins and the offense linemen are the guys that tart. Those are the guys that did the work, go hug them and thank them. And so, you know, turnover change, touchdown rings and all that. That's, you know, I guess have fun doing it. Not, not, I just, not on our, not on our teams. I'm not going to bring you around to this. I can see that right now. But anyway, let me just say, what about a team like Florida who had an inability to make stops last week? They had like 11 conversions on third and fourth down, uh, first down in South Carolina. South Carolina, not LSU, like when you had the game out there and uh, the Mad Hatter had five uh, fourth down conversions that you had. But these were, uh, this is amazing. Couldn't get a stop. Now the question is, you know, whose fault was it? Offense, defense, et cetera, et cetera. You got to be careful about that, of course. I'm suggesting they get a stop sign. And when they make a stop, <laughs> go put it around the neck of the guy who makes the stop because you got to make those stops, coach. I know. Final well, thing if, for you. you, if, you sorry. if you believe that's going to help you stop someone, which I think better tackling and better execution, disengaging from blocks and uh, holding your gap and being assignment sound is how you stop people not wearing something around your neck. So as a matter of fact, I know that's the case. So uh, I'd have to politely disagree on that one, buddy. We don't need to stop <laughs> you to tackle better or hold your gap and make sure you disengage off a block. I didn't expect you to accept my idea, coach. I understand that. <laughs> and, and by the way, Florida had a little issue <clears throat> after they got ahead 35, 14 and couldn't finish the game. Uh, the way they wanted to. And Dan talked about it, and Todd Grantham talked about it. There's two schools that thought about that, about the game plan, et cetera. Florida didn't do well on offense the last uh, quarter or so, and and now people are starting to criticize, guess what, criticize the defense. All these years are waiting for the offense to return, which it finally does, and now Gator fans are boiling mad about this defense. What can you tell us about defense and how it gets better or doesn't? Well, like I said, it's the, to me, it's blocking and ta it's tackling. And, and uh, something I did watch, it's disengaging off of blocks. And they have an excellent coach, a veteran coach in Grantham that I've watched actually coached against him. And I know Dan feels very strong about it. So I, it, is, uh, it comes with the territory. If you don't shut people out and play great defense, criticism is going to come. Uh, I can promise you that you know I, I know the professionalism of the coaches of Florida. They could care less. They just want to tackle better and get off blocks and, and, and finish better, like you said. So no, it's, it's all justified. That's what makes 
uh, college football is so powerful and the Gator Nation is so powerful. They understand the game and they're certainly welcome to their opinion. So what's, what's, what, what do you do with that? Get better. Coach Trevor Meyer, you catch you on the Big Noon Show. Can't wait to see it and uh, always enjoy this podcast with you, Urban. The best Fridays in football. We'll talk to you next week. Had a great one, buddy, this week. It's going to be about how to manage an offense with a shorter quarterback like we did with Chris Leak and JT Barrett. And we're going to actually uh, uh, talk about uh, uh, the coach, uh, uh, Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. So it's going to be a good day. And look at uh, George's quarterback, too, who, by the way, is doing good quite well. A walk-on who now is, uh, is, is very short. So I can't wait for it. Thanks very much, Coach Meyer. Take care. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dino Tripodis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And one, Terry Bradshaw back for another week on the best Fridays in football. And uh, we got something to look at right now. And Terry, our folks down here in my part of the country want to know about these Tampa Bay Bucks if they're real, and Tom Brady's playing at a high level. Well, gosh, I've been watching that. You know, I've said all year, when they signed Brady and they had Howard Brate and Gronkowski as tight ends, I thought that Bruce Arians would put in the offense that fits Brady's uh, talents and his age, 43 can rule the ball quickly, protect his body, and everything will be fine. Three wides, three tight ends, three three wides, one back, um, three wides, a tight, and one back. I mean, I thought he'd put in that offense, and I said it. Uh, and then I went back and researched Tampa Bay and looked at Jameis's interceptions. And the thing about the offense I noticed was that it's a down-the-field offense. Uh, and then you look at Manning under Bruce. You look at Luck under Bruce. You look at Ben under Bruce. You look at uh, when he was in Arizona, who was the quarterback? Palmer under Bruce. They were all downfield throwers. Tom can throw it downfield and be accurate as, as well as anyone. But primarily, I thought it would be the you know the quick crossing routes, the slot options go in, go out, hook up with uh, come open lakes on the outside and just behind it, stuff like that. And uh, 
when I looked at it, you could see that all these quarterbacks had double digits interceptions because it's downfield. Downfield, normally, in my opinion, is 10 yards or more with the ball, not five. And so I, you know, I said, I don't understand this. I, I even said, maybe this guy's not as smart as I think he is talking about Bruce Aarons. Uh, and unlike a lot of announcers, critics, <laughs> we're all critics. We all think we got the answers, which we don't because we're sitting in the studio. We don't know anything. We just watch it. And then we read and we make some calls like the po- political people and go, my sources tell me that, he, you know, you go that route. Um, and Bruce just wasn't going to change for anybody. And I didn't. I didn't think Tom looked comfortable in that offense. And then that's an offensive line that we know is, it's, it's like, okay, but it's not dominant. Now, here's what I saw last week. Uh, shut up, Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> he threw the ball down the field. He threw it accurate. He had time because to throw the ball down the field, the ball's not out of your hands normally in 2.5 to 2. It, 2.8 to 3, man, that's you know, you're, that's a lot of pressure on your offensive lineman. But Tom was stepping up in a really good pocket. He got a deep throw to Gronk. He, Evans is obviously him. That offense last week for a 43-year-old quarterback, who, by the way, you can play at 50 if you get a clean pocket. And your arm never does wear out. <laughs> you're throwing 40 passes. A game, 40? Really? You're going to get tired throwing 40? What's going to get tired is dropping back. Oh, I'm sorry. They don't drop back anymore. It's a shotgun. <laughs> I would have been exhausted having to get under center and drop back. <laughs> so when you look at it, it's like, okay, Bruce, you got me on this one. I'm impressed. Doesn't mean they won't go back and do some of the other. I'm sure they will, and they have. But I thought, boy, 43 years old five touchdown passes and and some of those throws are just gorgeous so i became a believer and i think i have to be a big boy and put my big boy pads on and go okay got me i'm i'm saluting you nice job defense played better um and here's a buddy i know you asked me one question i'm still going but but the overall picture is this the offense is slowly coming together the first time I've ever seen offense actually playing better than defense in this league. We can attribute that to the OTA's lack of the the offseason workout programs, uh, new players, new coach all coming together. I mean, it takes a while. That's why I'm surprised that offense has gotten past the defense early. We've got more points. Have you seen this? Last week I was reading, uh, I I don't know what the numbers are, uh, but Offensively, we've scored more points, more touchdowns in the first uh, three games of the year in the history of the National Football League. So that's pretty, that's amazing. So I'm impressed, buddy. I'm, I'm now they're starting to look like a football team. Now they lost Howard at tight end. He's out. Uh, but Evans is coming on, and the kid in the slot whose name I can yeah. never. Oh, no. I can't eat right now. He's playing good. Yeah. Well, okay. Terry, we're Gator people. Yeah, we, we're Gator people. We're going to get to no them. Gator. We're going to get to them. They got, uh, they got to go out to Jimbo Fisher, uh, his place, on Saturday night. 
Well, he got hammered by Alabama. I know. Well, he did, but uh, he got a little something, something. We'll see. He's your buddy. You talk with him about turkey shooting all the time and stuff. But let me get back to a point I want to make to you before we go there. I remember a million years ago when I was covering a team called the Denver Broncos, and they had this young quarterback named John Elway, and he had an offensive coordinator named Mike Shanahan, and they were throwing Mm -hmm. those three-yard outs. And I couldn't right. figure out what was going on. I met with you, and I actually saw you in the press box. And I said, Terry, I want to give you a call and talk to you about this. Is this the way to go with this guy? And I called you, and you talked for 45 minutes on throwing the ball down the field. That was your right. thing. You did it, and you right. pointed out last week on the show. You talked about you're going to get interceptions when you throw it in the middle of the field. You're going to get interceptions when you throw it deep. But, oh, Al Davis, you know, he had a philosophy that – yeah, he didn't care if his quarterback took a sack because he wanted his right. quarterback to stand. And I'm telling you stuff you know. So what's different yeah. about it now? Has this little so-called you know, what we once called the uh, West Coast offense and little pop gun offense that are we going back to throwing deep Terry's? That's what I'm going to ask you. Well, what's that? I don't think so, buddy. I don't think so. Um, this is Bruce Arians' offense. Um, they still throw it, you know deep in Pittsburgh. Once again, let me emphasize, deep is not bombs. It's 10 yards or more. If you throw it 10 to 12 yards, that's basically a medium route, but it's further than, you know, than average. Uh, I don't think it's that, buddy. I think it's it's uh, a combination of Bruce's thinking, Tampa Bay we're talking about. The West Coast offense originally was designed uh, with the idea that the quarterback had a triangle to the right side, tight end a back and a flanker. And the idea was, was to take those three. And if you draw a triangle, you'll probably, you'll get and just move the back out a little bit. You kind of, I call it a triangle. No one has ever, listen, no one has ever described the the West coast offense to me. I've just seen it and I've watched it and I'm amazed. It's kind of like that wild, crazy coach down at Mississippi State with that little piece of paper. <laughs> you talked about him last week. And you yeah. went fishing yeah. with him. Yeah. <laughs> and he, it, what he does is run 10 plays, uh, the same play from all these formations. Um, it's kind of like I was talking about uh, um, team the other day on television, and I said, well, they ran – Eight, oh, that was the Rams. They ran eight screens. They went the same screen from eight formations, different formations. I don't think the West Coast was designed to get the ball out quick mm-hmm. and break tackles and get big runs. Right. Get well, the ball out, kick one, two, three, four, five, ball gone. You read it. Can, and number one is flanker, tight end, wide uh, back. Our number one is back, tight end, flanker. That, those You got progressions, and they're real quick. And if they're all covered – then you turn and go to the left side, and the left side routes, which would be um, normally because you have uh, two receivers over there, you have a slot guy and a, and a split end, and those two receivers run routes that are deeper than normal. They run an O-cut instead of 10 to 12, 15 to 18, which would come a comeback, and what they do is that ties up the timing with the quarterback who goes short over here, and by the time he turns around, the timing is perfect for the backside. Understand a little bit of that? A little that makes bit. Sense? Not a whole lot, but a little okay. bit. Okay. Short. If I throw a five-yard out on the right side, mm-hmm. that's my primary. 
I'm throwing to the flanker, and I'm throwing a five-yard out. Right. One, two, three, five-yard out. Okay. Uh-oh, he's covered. Now I got to go to my secondary receiver, which is the split end on the other side. Mm. If both the split end and the flanker run five-yard outs, and I turn from the flanker who's covered to the split end, he'll be covered because the route times is the route timing is off. So you take the backside receiver and run the same play, the same route, but you take it five yards deeper. So that when I go five yards to the right, oh, covered. I turn around to the left and throw the ball. He is just now making his break. So same route, but the primary route is shorter than the secondary route, which is longer for timing purposes. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a little sense. But how, what happened to the greatest route in all of football, which you always talk about, crossing the crossing route, route crossing you know, route. and that tight yeah. end across the middle or whoever it might be, right. that, where does that figure in? Well, the tight end never goes across the middle if the primary is to the right-hand side. He'll stay to that side and run. He'll run a hook. He'll run a shake, which means he'll read the, the linebacker or safety's got him head up, and he'll either go right. He'll try to move him to the right and come back to the left or left and go back to the right. Or if it's zone, he'll just hook up and slide in a little spot there. It'd go one, two to the tight end. Three would be the wide flare to the fullback to that side. That's why it's right. called a triangle. One, two, three. All right? So that's different. We're not looking at that. I said the primary receiver is the flanker going five yards out. And when I plant my foot on the third step to the right, if he's covered, I turn to the left. And that if I if that split into the left run a five yard out, why well, he's covered like a blanket. But if he's going deeper, I'm going to him and the timing because it's deeper is there as opposed to the right side. Okay. So this is Terry Bradshaw. We're talking quarterback one oh one. For those of you out there that are interested, if you'll just send me twenty five thousand dollars, I too will come to your high school, college, or program oh and teach goodness. you the fundamentals of throwing the football. Twenty five thousand. And good. you can pay it off in five good. easy installments of twenty five thousand dollars. Order or you can order two. Just the next to pay the shipping costs and get two of them. I mean that's and then and and, and when you do the triangle to the right. You can make the tight end number one. You can change all these routes okay. up, and I mean it's okay. it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's just hard to do on, the, on on streaming shows. I but, know you get on the board. Okay. If I were on a black right. chalkboard, I could show you. I know. You know. You know. Well, we'll video you next time. Makes and, makes, yeah. makes sense to me, but. <laughs> well, Terry, you just brought basketball. You just brought basketball to uh, to football, and you know that's what the NBA is, and the Chicago Bulls, and. Uh, and, and there's triangle offense and all that sort of stuff. The triangle right. was what yeah. the whole NBA lived by for so long and still does right. some reason. So it's interesting. Right. You mentioned Mike Leach, a genius. How is he different? Does he do it differently? or Because everybody's he, got one. progressions. I mean, we all got – what does hey, Mike buddy, Leach do? Buddy. Yeah. <laughs> He's one and one. <laughs> <laughs> you don't count anymore. He got beat. If, yeah, after him just slaughtering LSU, he yep. goes to Arkansas oh, boy. and gets beat. Now, who saw that coming? Nobody. And, uh, nobody. And they looked, they didn't look good. So it just, something just, and Arkansas is a program that's, you know, basically been down for probably. Oh, yeah. Pittman, Sam Pittman's there now from Georgia. He's an head coach. 
what was the name of Petrino? What was the coach that was Bobby there Petrino? Bobby Petrino. Yeah, was... Bobby went there and went on a little motorcycle ride. Yes, he did. <laughs> but you know who they got? They got Florida's old quarterback in Felipe Franks now. Uh, so yeah. people are very happy for him. He transferred out there, did it class and style. He didn't run his mouth. Good. He went, he played, and they got a big win. And Terry, looking back on that now, talking about SEC football, don't you also think maybe we misjudged Georgia because they struggle against Arkansas a little bit? Arkansas turns out to be better than we thought. So you don't ever really know what you're seeing at the time, do you? No, it this whole season. Look, Detroit could come back and win the North. That's how crazy. <laughs> That's how crazy it is. It is crazy. College and pro football year. It's is just bizarre. Look, I didn't even know the Lakers and the Heat were in the playoffs. I, I mean, <laughs> I didn't know until this morning. I went, what? What? what is What'd that happen? I mean, yeah, and they need one more win to win it all, and like, who cares? I mean, it's been they've been getting a beating, and, the, the and hockey yeah. has already got their – Got yeah. their championship, the yeah. what Golden Globe or whatever they call what do they Golden call Globe. hockey? Uh, <laughs> what is it called, buddy? Stanley Cup. The, Stanley Cup. I'm sorry. I Golden Globe something else. That's something. Hey, Golden Globe might be That's something what, you'll win for your new, your new uh, series on E, right? <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. right there. Don't let my dude. Hey, don't let my girls go, go on stage and collect a Golden Globe because then <laughs> it's just history. <laughs> you oh, think my. I got trouble now? Oh my, oh, my God! We got to get back to that. I got to get back to that because I didn't watch that show and I, I want to say something about it. But I want to get you back in the theme we're talking about, which is I'm the mentality. Mentality yeah, of the of progression. You were the master of you know trying to get to the, the the third receiver, fourth receiver, finding that guy. Right. Kyle Trask right. now <laughs> is really, really all of a sudden. Kyle Trask, Florida's quarterback, is squarely in uh, the the Heisman picture. All of a sudden, he played well again. He's got a lot of touchdown passes. His progressions. He's very well coached by Dan Mullen. He reads his progressions. Yeah. He's got some really good young right. receivers, and the receivers talk yeah. about it a lot. And this is something we've talked about a lot this week. When you got a guy who reads his progressions, every player potentially, every receiver is potentially live. That well, let me explain right? something. Well, that's yeah, what I'm yeah. asking. I'm well, actually if, you to explain. If a, 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 there are two ways to look at throwing a football as a quarterback. <laughs> I was taught I was taught to read coverages based on formation that I set up and what the team we uh, prepared for to play that week what they more than likely will do against certain formations. If they don't do that, if you read progression, I never was a progression guy. I was, a, I was always a pre-read and, and, and read the coverage guy. Uh, let's say the difference is this. When you read coverage and they cover three and they go to the right and I'm throwing hooks, flankers going down, turning around, looking at me split in, and they rotate the safety to the deep outside on the strong side, on the tight end side, that's the strong side, and the free safety goes in the middle. The linebackers then go to the left. They don't go to the right. They go to the left. It's everything safeties and linebackers do. If one goes to the right, the others go to the left. If it's cover two where they go straight back, the linebackers go straight back. And when I see rotation, automatically I go to where I'm throwing to the left, I go away from the rotation where I'm throwing on a corner and a and a safe and a linebacker, 
and I got a I got an alley there to throw the football. So that's called a pre-read, and that's called dropping back reading the coverage. If the coach doesn't coach it like that, he says flanker, tight end, wide receiver. All right, that's the progression. One, two, three. And I did this in a Pro Bowl one year with Dan Fouts. Dan told me. You're going to love this offense. I said, really? He said, yeah, one, two, three. I went, one, two, three. Yeah. Don Corio's offense, you go one, two, three. So, you know, you, you learn that tight ends one, backs two, flankers three, whatever the progression. You drop back, you look at one, cover two, and cover three, throw to him. <laughs> so I went, I went like, I don't know. I'm making this up, I'm sure. I went like 15 for 17, 180 yards. And I'm like, I ain't even had to think. <laughs> <laughs> oh man this fits me just to a t i ain't got a thing and and that's called one two three where you this is your primary here's your secondary here's the third guy he's the last one you go to when you drop back it's uh you know you five steps you plant or you're in the shotgun <clears throat> you look at the flanker <clears throat> you know he's open uh you can see it dropping back anticipate you gun it you drop back, they, they got him covered. You go to the tight end. He becomes it. Now, tight end's covered. Then you go to wide flare. They throw it away. Or you go to the backside and just pull it in. And that's reading, and then that's going progression. The other thing, if you read a coverage, you take uh, the tight, the flanker's one, the tight end's two, and the back is three. But if you read the coverage, then the split end could become one. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. You forget all that other stuff because of the setup of the defense. And now instead of the flankers one, tight ends two, it's the split in is one, the wide flare, the wide flare, it's either split in or throw it away. So you, you know, or, or if you're doing that, now you change it up when you get that formation again and you go, well, they're rotating. We got three to the right. We got a slot over here. We got a, uh, X or a split in. Now I'll drag the tight end across. So now when, when you see it, now the split end is one. Ah, but the tight end's coming now. He's two. So it's I know it's confusing, but it isn't if I can draw it up. Yeah. It just If everything goes to the right, you go to the left a lot of times, except on certain routes. Certain routes, when people go to the right, it's good. So it's just football. And after you play for 30 years, it, gets, it, it's, it seems simple to me, but I know I – I'm not explaining it well. Well, enough. reputation, it's, you are explaining it well. It's just hard to do without visuals. I wanted to get back yeah. to, to Don Curiel and, and that, without getting too deep into the X's right. and O's. We'll get back right. out of this right. and talk about other things. Don Curiel was a master. He had Air Coriel. Now you hear the right. Air Raid, which is what Mike Leach runs, which is how Mummy's offense, various <laughs> and sundry yeah. things, all these offenses, the West Coast right. offense. Is right. there a new one? Is anybody doing anything new? Terry Bradshaw's triangle offense. No, you what, can't. What is, you can't. <laughs> the only Leach is doing something that is different. He's going five, you know, five out. Five people can catch the football, mm-hmm. so all five, three to the right. He may even do a bunch to the right. God knows what all he's going to do. Yeah. And and you can start doing bunches and stuff like that and. What Leach does is creates mass confusion, mm-hmm. and the, his quarterbacks are in on the mad. Feel you know, like a mad. Well, he's mm-hmm. been called, and rightfully so, a mad scientist. Meaning, mm-hmm. what he does is so bizarre, nobody can figure it out. Well, Arkansas figured it out. You don't. 
you never do figure it out. You just slow it down maybe or get a quarterback on a bad day. Don't forget Mahomes played for Leach. Is that right? I don't Did, know. It's yeah, a good point. Mahomes, I don't know. I, I got to look it up. I, I thought he looked was, that I up. I think he, was, he, he probably was, was rec- recruited. Because, we'll have hmm. to look that up for next week. We'll do that next yeah. week. Well, the genealogy yeah. of quarterbacks. Anyway. That's all fascinating stuff. Let's get down to the real nitty gritty, which is the Gators playing yeah. again in, in yeah. Texas A&M. And, uh, by the uh-huh. way, a little, a little information for you in case it comes up on the show, right. which it won't because you don't talk college football. Kyle Field. Yeah. Kyle Field in College Station, where the Aggies play, is named yeah. Kyle Field. The quarterback for Florida is, of course, Kyle Trask. He was named for Kyle Field. His parents graduated from Texas A&M. So there's a connection wow. there. Now the best receiver on the team is Kyle Pitts. This, when oh, you my get, God. When you get a chance to watch him closer, you're going to be really – number one I tight end. I watched him last week. What would you I think? I watched him last week. I just saw the first half, and then I had to go to bed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Impressive. So, so to, you went yeah. to bed at noon? Impre- Wait a minute. It's you didn't go to bed at noon? It's trash. Tra- was, was it a noon game? Yeah. Oh, you saw the replay. Well, no, no, no. Hold it. No, I did watch the first half, and I watched it right here at the house. Okay. Because I had to go get on the plane and leave. So oh, I saw okay. the first half here in Thackerville. I got you. That's what it was. I knew I watched the first half. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're impressive. This kid, is he a transfer? Trash, where'd he come no. from? No. Here's the great thing He's about at- Kyle Trash. Tell the story. This is the kind yeah. of thing that you should build your program around. This kid was recruited by nobody. I think Houston Baptist, I believe. <clears throat> he came to Florida. Nussmeyer recruited him. He came to Florida. Basically, he never started a game in high school. Ninth grade oh, was the last time right. he started. We talked about this last year. <laughs> yes. Never and started. Never started. Yeah. And then he came to Florida, <clears throat> had a couple of chances, got hurt, never played. And then the thing about it was is that when Felipe Franks got hurt in the second half, well, right yeah. in the first half against Kentucky – off the bench comes this guy, number 11, and yeah. you think, okay, takes him down the field. He's got the job. Frask is, becomes a quarterback and takes him to 11 wins this past year. Uh, and now he wow. has got numbers. He's got these other quarterback, other receivers developing around him. Kyle Pitts yeah. has come in, who's a six seven guy who's got terrific hands, runs like a yeah. wide receiver at a body of a tight end. And these guys are lighting it up, Terry. Six touchdowns. So what passes. is he? Is he a tight end or a wide That's receiver? That's the question. We talked about it last week. You said I asked him if he was an H back. Oh, H back. I, I never he's knew an he's not an H back. He's not an H. Yeah. He splits out. He can't. Qualify. He's a he's a Kittle. He's like Kittle in yeah, uh, somewhat San probably. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, right. Yeah. And that would fast, be... fast kid. I'm sorry. Can he run? Uh, is he oh, fast? Yeah, he's very fast. He's very nimble. He's got great hands. He does route adjustments. He blocks. Uh, they didn't give him, put him on the Mackey list last year because he didn't have his hand on the ground enough. That made him mad. Yeah. So he's got, he's got his hand on the ground. Some. So he is a marvelous player, and he is he and Trask together, they call it the Kyle to Kyle or K2K. Now you got Kyle to Kyle at Kyle Field. So that's the angle this yeah. week for uh, the game against your friend, Jimbo Fisher. We'll see what happens. But Dan Mullen, by the way, has established himself. He is my friend. Is Dan Mullen friend. is my friend. He is your friend. He yeah. sent you a jersey with your by name. By the way, on. yeah, yeah. Tell tell Coach Mullen to take five minutes out of his practice today. Mm-hmm. My my warm ups 
split in the crotch. <laughs> and I, no, I'm serious. I know. And you I you asked me to order I you like some. Wear, I, I, I wear them around the ranch. I, I wear them around the ranch in the morning when yeah. I'm check. I got my coffee and I'm checking on my horses. Yeah. And I wear them and they split. Oh my gosh. The well, baggy enough. They sh- I think I got them hung on something. I got another, I got a Burmese mountain dog puppy. And I call him, he's a wild thing. He's crazy. And he's always biting me. And I think he got me and split my britches. But <laughs> I'm out. Tell You can laugh all you want, but tell him I got to have some warm-ups. I got to have something gator-wise. Terry, check, right? your, check, your, check your text. I sent you a picture last week of the blue warm-up. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just go ahead and oh, Buddy, you think you. you sent it. No, no. I don't erase your text. <laughs> And I got nothing. And I'm looking right now. No. No. I'm going to get you. I'm I'm going to take care of that for you. Uncle Beach. Wait a minute. I'm looking. Buddy, 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 buddy. Last week. Buddy, all the way up. Nothing. Tyler Mills. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll, I said it. Mike Wagner. Buddy, buddy. You're not in here, buddy. Uh Uh-huh. You you just. Buddy Martin. Changing them ever since. All right. Nope. That's me. All right. Well, anyway, I said it. Changing them ever since. Maybe you didn't get through. boys. We will no, take care. We will take care of that. We'll take care of that. We'll get you. Uh, we'll get you uh, taken care of. Now, can now that you've lost the weight, hope you can wear that double X. Oh, I'm sending oh, I'm I'm, uh, I'm down to 18 pounds, I know. and I'm still a fat fat hog. Well, we're working. We're both going down, but I'm going to get you no, a pair of those. I am, I'm going to get buddy, you. I'll have uh, okay. In 12 more, in two weeks, two more weeks, I should be down 17 pounds. The weight I'm going right now, my pants are getting really loose. On the show, they had to tighten up my stuff last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I get this gut off. I'm going to be sick. You're going to be a beautiful human being. <laughs> ah. Oh, I'm already a beautiful human being. At least that's what my wife says. I am a beautiful man. She oh, says. my gosh. Listen, don't be crawling in those monster trucks anymore. That makes me nervous when I see that. So. Oh, I know. Um, oh, right. no, that ain't going to happen. No. Now, let me ask you a question before you have to suddenly, Tammy says we got to go. Uh, and it's, yeah. uh, well, uh, you know, my producer keeps digging me on here telling me he wants to talk to me about that's Andy Billman. Uh, so let me, let me just say to you that, um, uh, on this, this college football thing, I know you don't have a, t- a lot of time to watch it. And Jimmy, your buddy, Jimmy Johnson, who he, you usually watch yeah, with, a, is working on his boat, man. Has he ever come oh, back he, to the hey, studio? No, Jimmy is absolutely in hog heaven. Number one, he doesn't have to travel. He never leaves his house. Which, you know, would drive me crazy. Number two, he's getting uh, paid by Fox, full salary. Wow. Uh, number three, he gets to stay home. And today or tomorrow, I say today is tomorrow, Thursday, he'll watch our game, our show. And Saturday or Friday, when college football starts, <clears throat> Saturday for sure, he's got six television sets and he's all locked in. So when I land in LA, I'm flying out today for the Thursday game, but when I land normally uh, on Saturday, first thing I do is call him to get the scores. And then last week we both said, man, this just ain't right. I mean, we ought to be sitting there and you should be eating your, uh, you know, your uh, nachos. You have nachos. Behind- what do you say? The yeah. Beverly Hilton, Terry? Are you at the Beverly no, Hilton? No, I stay. <clears throat> the condo? I, I can't tell you where I stay because okay. of security reasons. Okay. But I, I I'm of. serious about that. They, yeah. they, they just want. They I get it. 
Okay, doesn't matter. It's not crazy out there, buddy. Well, we've been having a when I I'm real loose with my lips. Yeah. <laughs> I tell people everything I'm doing. Sink a lot of ships. And we've had to, <laughs> we've been it's been especially with yeah. the show on yeah. the air now, and so we're getting some strange things happening you. on the road. So yeah, now I my bad. I shouldn't have asked that. I'm used to the old yeah. days. I even have the security now greet me. Do really? you believe that? Wow. Yeah, because these nut jobs out there. They are some bad. So ones. anyway, I I. I'm real. I'm staying at a Holiday Inn Express in Mimosa Beach. How's that? <laughs> and a, a, a John Wayne is your name. What was your name when you used to check in? Yeah, you, your your hotel name. Buddy, no, no, buddy, buddy. I still do it. Yeah, Coop. 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 That's right. It's a scoop. Yeah, that's right. Got Coop. you. All right. So let me get to this question before I. We, All right, go ahead. We have to kind of get, bring it back to normal. I wanted to talk to you well, about... Well, ask the question, buddy. Well, you I'm trying to, but you, you keep stuck, telling me you about your split pants. You no, got split pants, I, you got I, this, and you got that. <laughs> I can't... That's called, that's called entertaining the people, buddy. That's what we're doing here. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so, I wanted to talk to you about mullet. Uh, I want you yeah. to give me a report back. Now, you never did give me a report on trash. You, you said you watched it. Did you see anything there? Can you can you shed any light to us on trash? And did you get a chance to see the tight end? You, you probably didn't see much uh, of Pitts. I saw the tight end. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pitts. I, yeah, I saw the first half, and I was impressed. Okay. But I didn't. I'm, I was sitting sitting here. And I had all my notes in front of me, so yeah. I'm going back and forth from my notes and television. So, but yeah. I watched him, and I really did like the quarterback. And I just thought, well, this is the guy, this is the guy Buddy's talking about. So they'll be playing Saturday night. Saturday correct? night. That's correct. All right, so no, 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 no. Saturday noon. Saturday right, noon. I'm, I'm, I'll be out in L.A., so yeah. I'll watch them. Yeah, that'll be a heck of a game. It should be A and M. I'm not sure about A and M yet. I'm you not know, either. when you when you can go see their facilities, it's mind boggling. Unbelievable. The money that, that school has, yeah. and they they supposedly, you know, recruit great players. So I just golly, you know, I just. Just wonder what what's keeping them from being really competitive. I mean, Alabama put fifty two on them. But Terry, Terry, hold on a second. Right? Jimbo, hey. Jimbo only makes seventy five million. What do you expect? <laughs> no, no, he makes what is it? Seventy five million, million dollar contract. Golly. So what do you expect? What do you want for seventy five wow. million? You know. So. Well, yeah. let's see a what how it's too, man. He is. A, hey, he's a good dude, boy. Well, then I, he's, he's like not popular Mullen, down he's, here because of his, FS, his FSU ties. By the way, shout out to Bobby well, Bowden, by the way. You know Bobby. Yeah, Bobby's get well, back. Bobby. He's yeah. back in the hospital again with COVID. We I sure know, prayers know. to him, of course, if you're the praying kind of yeah. guy, which I know you are. So, uh, yeah. Now, am I getting you in trouble behind on your schedule? Because I don't want to do that, but I wanted to ask one more question if I could. No, I don't have a schedule. It starts at uh, first interview this morning at seven o'clock. Okay, where well, you go? Well, this is my first interview. This is your first interview. interview. This is not an interview. Yeah. This is Jerry then talks. I, and but then I've got a photo uh, op this morning with the People magazine. I have a fitness deal with Spandex. Uh, that'll be a big <laughs> commercial spot coming up. Uh, we're going to Photoshop it. Oh, uh, you really Photoshop? Looking, looking forward to that. And then I'm singing a new song. That'll be uh, on the country um, station, um, cable station. Well, see, you say and things like I'm, that. You say I, things, I, but some I'm of that do, stuff's I'm true. Po- 
<laughs> Some of it's true. You are doing a country song. You're writing one, right? <laughs> no, I'm not doing Yeah, I'm not going to cry when you leave me this time. Yeah, and that's the other one you got to do is you got to do tequila and ice cream. Come on, man. That's a song. Tequila you and, and ice cream. You I and know. Rachel could sing it, sing it together. I know. I know. All right, let's I talk know. about the show. E. Uh, Rachel had her let's, heart broken. I saw her new boyfriend, the Marine. Uh, you're happy about that? No, I guess. no, that's no, that's history. history well, wait now, history. don't tell, don't give it away. I gotta wait and watch the next one. So, okay. all right, so all you right. try. So she uh, had a she had a thing, <laughs> and she met she and she kissed him, uh, and you didn't like that because oh, of the COVID. Boy. She said you kissed him uh, and all this stuff. So, I love Rachel. Uh, I've known Rachel oh, a long God. time. God bless she her. She she's just uh, hanging in there. She just, she loves love. She yeah, wants she to be loved, and she wants to have what her sisters have and what I have and you and Joni have. Wow. And I've, it's so hard to tell a 33-year-old woman, be patient, because, you know, I I get it. I God bless her. I just hope God throws something right in front of her uh, that is perfect for her. She wants to have babies, and she's at that point in her life where, she feels everything's passing her by and, and it's, you know, she's kind of hyperventilating over it. And I, it's hard. It's hard. It's easy for me as a dad to go, sweetie, you know, it's okay. Just pursue, go on doing what you're doing. And you're going to reach down and pick up a pencil one day and someone's going to pick it up for you. And you're going to, eyes are going to meet and sparks are going to fly. And there you have it. So stop looking. And uh, I thank everybody out there listening to this this morning would agree with that when you're looking for something so hard it's not like work like you're wanting to achieve something because that's different you know what you want and you're working hard to obtain it matters of the heart you work <laughs> you know i mean does this make some of these psychiatrists out there are disagreeing with me but matters of the heart you you make yourself a better person you work hard on being a good person but you got to let that heart, that heart has got a mind of its own, you know, and so you just got to free it up and go on about your life and things happen, you know. Very right? well said. I That's think close. we're going to start Dr. Terry right here on the show. You're right. going to start talking about at it. A ta- hey, hey, buddy. <laughs> at a table for two with candlelight and wine, that diamond burning holes in his pocket, saying now's the perfect time. But when he popped the question, he could see a teardrop in her eyes. She said, I knew this was coming, but I'm sorry. I hope you realize you can't make a heart love somebody. That's the whole point. Okay. You, you can lead a heart to love, but you can't make it yeah, fall. Yeah. And that's an old George Strait song. And well, I wanted so about true. that. George love- Strait. Terry yeah, doing some George Strait. Strait. That's not one you normally yeah. do. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You gonna sing this summer in uh, in Vegas, uh, the Terry Bradshaw? No, no, no. We're canceled for the whole year in Vegas. We okay. start back. Well, who knows when we start back? We got a Next call summer. from them yesterday, and Vegas has got to open up. Mm-hmm. And I don't see it opening up till we get a vaccine that people trust and people start, you know, going back to life. But it, as I was going to say normal life but what is going to be normal yeah really i think i'm i'm disappointed that at 72 it may i may be 75 i got three years here in my life where i'm just on hold and it's not just me it's everybody but 
at this stage of my life, I don't want to be on hold. You know, I, I got to go. I got stuff to do and conquer before God calls me home. And, and, uh, it's just really, it's really kind of shocking in what we're going through. Just, you know, out of the whole world, not just us and not just me, the whole world, everybody's going through it. It's been difficult. But Vegas, when Vegas opens up, we'll start to show back. Yeah, and Terry will be singing it again. By the way, nothing's ever held you back. So you've been, you go through 72 <laughs> years like a whirlwind. <laughs> been going ever since. Yeah, and, those guys you know, on that, hey, if those guys on that Fox show don't leave me alone, I'm going to get up and walk off Well, that I said something day. the other day to you about that. Yeah. Howie's giving you some crap now. I know he's your buddy. Oh. But I, you know, I bet, I even, Howie, yeah. back it down. Back it down just a tad, Howie, okay? I, well, the other day I told him, I told him I gave him how he called me and said he wanted me to give him humor lessons. <laughs> <laughs> he needs a few. <laughs> and he didn't say anything until I left. And then he said something. I, someone told me what he said, but yeah. yeah you got to do a good job a, on that show. Yeah. That's why it's been around 30 I could years. Give, buddy, mm-hmm. I could get him. I, I listen, I'm not speechless there. It, it's just, I don't want You can't let it get into a, us up there messing all the time it, I don't think the viewer would any, well, you know they'll turn it over to ESPN so they can get more stats <laughs> <laughs> did I say that buddy shame you did you. say that <clears throat> shame on you <laughs> well it's fun show and I think that's the big thing it's, a, it's just like this big noon show they're doing over with Urban uh, which I found really is sort of to me uh, my yeah. go-to show now. I, I turn that on. I, yeah. I don't watch game day as much because it's glitz and glamour right. and all this other stuff. It's good. Herbert right. does a good job. But I, I kind of like shows that, that celebrate football, that go into it, that have some stories. Urban seems to have a good time on it. Urban does a good job, but I think they got a good crew. And I watch that show now regularly. So you guys have the same the upbeat. The Fox show is good. The Fox show is good now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the yeah. FS1 show yeah, that's uh, the Fox show. Yeah. That is a good show. Yeah. I think when you're talking about, there's a fine line between all of us that do these shows. I choose to be a little bit more on the humorous side, but I still have to talk football. Yeah. And when I talk football, I really don't enjoy that. You just said 45 minutes on this podcast. What do you mean? No, no. <laughs> I, I enjoy making people laugh and make yeah, them feel good do. in a... Yeah. In a, within our little family there, you yeah. know, how he's going to break it down. And we're all going to break it down. You know, we're all going to have an opinion because those shows that we do outside of looking at the, the NFL, um, what do you call it? Pass. We all can go on there and watch every game in 20 minutes. And, you know, I just uh, only do that occasionally when I need, when I'm curious about something that I miss, but, for the most part, we sit there and we watch these games, and then we read about them. When we pull up the journalists in the cities, people still want to know what we think. I find sure that Detroit do. Lion coach, and this week I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little heads up. Um, you know, Jimmy put a fork in – what? who did he put a fork in? Houston? And then Last they fired – They coach. fired O'Brien. Yeah, they fired O'Brien. He should have been fired. And I fired Patricia the week before. Yeah. So we're just a bunch of firing people. <laughs> this week, I'm boom, Jimmy pulls out the forks. I'm gonna pull up. I got a spoon. I'm taking with me. I wanna. <laughs> I, I'm gonna mix it up. You know. <laughs> Why not? It's taters. 
It's tater salad, baby. I'm going to mix it up in Detroit. You got to change things up. I was going to say, I'm going to spoon them. And so I was talking to John Zarnecki, your buddy. And I said, John, I'm just going to, I'm bringing out this spoon. I'm going to spoon. And he said, uh, I don't know if you ought to say that. And I said, what, spoon them? He, he said, yeah, you, you might ought to rephrase how you use it, spooning. And then my, Tammy was there and she's laughing. And I said, well, what am I missing here? Spooning. Do you know what spooning is? Buddy? Well, back, my parents have meant uh, making out and kissing. I don't know what it means today. I have yeah, no idea. Well, it, it's, it, when one puts its back to you and you snuggle up to their back, like okay. you do your wife in bed. Okay. And so I'm going to spoon. So I said, I'm going to spoon that. Patricia. Well, why don't you just knife you know, him? I'm, How about the knife? Just use yeah. the knife on him. <laughs> no, 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 buddy. No, no, no. That, that's terrible. But, okay. you know, you can't say anything today nope. that it's not got some kind of con- sexual or racist connotation it to it. And yep. I just, am innocent. I just don't know these things for whatever reason. Maybe I just am not socially involved enough. But TB, so you're beautifully say, innocent. You're beautifully innocent. May you never change and be what you are. <laughs> and you, I got to say, you will let yourself be the puncher bag and you relish in it. And you set yourself up. Those guys uh, hammer you and you take the shot and fire back. And I love that about you. It's kind of how you play quarterback. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. But anyway, I'm, they don't take away from my spoon here. So I'm going to say I'm going to mix it up because you you stir. I'm going no. I'm going to stir it up. That's it. Mix, stir it up in Detroit, and I'm going to pull out my spoon. Nobody knows I'm doing this. I just told you oh, on the show that's good. that I'm pulling out a big old silver spoon. My wife okay. got me to okay. take on the trip. I like it. And I'm I'm going. I'm going to mix it up in Detroit this week, babe. <laughs> Terry, I think <laughs> you about that. You ought to get that oh, on that's gonna be Buddy good. Martin show. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Terry, I remember when you had the red phone. We were at CBS. Our good friend oh, Ted God. Shaker. Ted I, Shaker, you yeah. made him a nervous oh. wreck. You put yeah. him a, a red phone on the set. <laughs> Like you were going to call every time there was a hotline, and he was scared to death of what you might do. So, so this I year's red phone. I know they're all scared of me. Yeah, yeah. Hello, is this the commissioner? Hey, look, man, we got to fire that guy. He's doing a terrible job. <laughs> yeah, Shaker was like, uh, shake it up, Shaker. There you go. So, TV, we've done you know, it. I just do. Yeah, we've go. done it all, bub. We've done it I all. When we got the. We shipped the meat up there, and it spoiled, and everybody got sick. Oh my got gosh! The barbecue people got that sick. That was one of the classics. Oh my! We got a bunch of. We'll tell. People, we'll, have, oh. we'll have story time one day. We'll tell more stories oh about God. like what's the greatest they nation rest, you told oh, last week, funny, and man. yeah, and we got a few at the time. Yeah. We got Phil Sims when he was playing. He was oh, on, and we, yeah. had, we he thought we were oh. alive, and oh, that was a beauty. Yeah. And oh no, Terry, thing is, I didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this has the size of silver dollars. And Terry, you did so many things on the set that were just comical. Uh, it's I fun, know. But... I know. I was having a good time. Now the the critics out there hated it because I'm not talking football. Well, who gives a rat that? <laughs> we're talking about the. I think one time I, they said Detroit, Green Bay, and I remember at the end of the show I would sit there and go, "Who who was going to win or something?" And I remember uh, Greg Gummer goes, "Detroit, Green Bay," and I said. Who cares, Greg? Yeah, oh, boy, did that get me in trouble. And you, didn't you, weren't you the one of the first ones to say NFL, no fun league? Wasn't that one of your first? 
You're one of the funnest first ones to say that. Remember? I got to take the fifth on, buddy. I, me and the me and the commissioner, we're buddies. So I got I got to <laughs> I got to politely take the fifth on that. No, hey, buddy, spurt <laughs> the, get that spoon <laughs> out, stir it up, keep stirring, TB. All right, I will. Did they fire me? They fire <laughs> me now. I'm collecting Medicare, Medicaid, what a yeah, of And plus, for. you All got this gig. Don't forget, you got this gig yeah. on the podcast. So oh, <laughs> this is where it's really. This is my money one right here. There you go, big let time. Me, yeah, keep me. Keep me on it. Go, Nate Gators. Let's get them this week. Right. I love you, TB. Love you. Give old, give old Johnny a slap on the booty and tell the TB says well, you love you. can't say it on radio. <laughs> oh, okay. But then just don't slap her at all. No, I won't slap her, but I'll give her a kiss and tell her it's from TB. All right? All right. Yeah. Love you, you TB. Next love week's you. her birthday, Bye. so you may have to sing. See you. Bye-bye. All right. When's her birthday? Next week. Yeah, I'll tell you next well, what, week. What? Next week what? Monday, 15th. What? Fifteenth, I'll tell you it's a it's a it's a Thursday next week, so we'll talk about Thursday. It. Okay, all right, I'll have to go. So for my mother, hadn't said well, I called uh, Tammy to wish her a happy birthday, and she says it's tomorrow. And to thank God, I'd called my mother, and she said, "Well, I called Tammy. She said her birthday uh, is not tomorrow. It's not today. Not today. It's tomorrow." And I went, "Oh my gosh, thank you so much, Mom." <laughs> so Monday morning was her birthday. And I rolled over and I tapped her on her forehead with my finger. She opened her eyes and went, happy birthday. <laughs> I started Good singing job. Oh, yeah, she threw up. It Good job. All right, Bob, I got to go. Love to tell you. Thank you, What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access. Well, we're here in the part of the program that could go any way. This is called Andy's Candies and uh, Andy Billman, who's up in Connecticut and uh, right now gloating over his Cleveland Browns. We won't go into that. I will never get out of here. But today is a special occasion as we bring the chief correspondent for Gatorbate Media uh, on the show. And she's also the writer for Sports Illustrated on the Jaguars and my friend and my co my cohort and colleague, Cassidy Hill. Cassidy, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Now I know you and you and Andy have met and talked, and we're going to try to do more things with you. But today we're going to focus, Andy. If we can just put the Browns aside for a second, we're going to try and focus on an unusual story and a story that I know Cassidy likes. I do too. And probably you will, too, if you haven't already. This is a neat story about a quarterback overlooked by everybody, didn't have any scholarship offers to speak of, whose parents went to Texas A&M, and uh, they named their son Kyle, as in Kyle Trask, after Kyle Field, where the quarterback nobody wanted goes to play this weekend against the vaunted Texas Aggies. Take it up, Cassie, pick it up from there and talk about how we found this out and what you think about it. Yeah, so uh, talking to Kyle Trask a couple of days ago, someone asked him, you know, about his relation to the Aggies. 
Manville, Texas, where Kyle is from, is about 45 minutes south of Houston. And College Station is about an hour north of Houston. So, of course, that would be, you know, the big team in the area. And uh, he grew up a Texas Aggies fan. Both of his parents graduated from there. Uh, There's pictures of him taking a tour of the facility, but just as a fan because he was never really wanted there. And that's not even a knock on Texas A&M because he wasn't wanted a lot of places. He was a backup quarterback who was a a generous three-star. And schools basically just told him, we can't take a chance on you. You've never started a game since you were in middle school or on the JV team. And, uh, you know, credit to Doug Nussmeyer and that Florida staff I know there's a lot we don't credit Jim McElwain and his staff with, but but they do deserve credit for Kyle Trask because they gave him a chance. Doug Nussmeyer saw him throw at a camp and just kind of fell in love with his throwing motion and style and said, I want to at least get a closer look at him, bring him in and let him fight. And uh, it's just kind of one of those stories that if Disney wrote it, you wouldn't believe it. You would say this is a little cliche. If he goes in there and wins this Saturday, and if he goes on and continues to win and, you know, makes good on these Heisman odds that are currently being placed on him, then uh, it, it really is going to be one of those incredible Cinderella stories. And especially if he goes in there and wins this Saturday, I'm sure a lot of Texas A&M fans are going to be shaking their heads saying, why did we not take this guy? Uh, but like I said, you can't, you can't blame Texas A&M. There were a lot of schools that didn't take him. But he was named after Kyle Field, uh, which is the Texas A&M Stadium. And – to go into a place, to roll into a place that was his namesake, if he's able to beat him, um, you know, buddy, I think you and I talked about this last night, it would be, it'll still be called Kyle Field, but with a much di- different feel, uh, kind of like Ron Zookfield up in Tallahassee. You know, we, we, we might have to rename it Kyle Trask Field. Yeah. Bobby Bowden, um, Bobby Bowdenfield. Yeah, Bobby Bowdenfield was just named that when Ron Zuck went in there and beat him, beat the Seminoles. Yeah, yeah, real quick on this, and I want to get the rest of your story in, Cassidy. Just coincidentally, his best receiver is a guy named Kyle, Kyle Pitts, who should have another big game uh, against the Aggies. Uh, then you've got a famous athlete named Kyle Rote that you two have never heard of, but he played for SMU, was an All-American, and went to uh, – up to uh, to the New York Giants, and his dad, by the way, Kyle Trask's dad, told me that he had looked up Kyle Rote once he heard about it. So a lot of Kyles around there, uh, uh, Andy. And by the way, Andy is the co-host of this segment, Andy's Candies, and we'll get to the candies later. But your storyteller, very well-known producer, um, director, uh, done some terrific work at ESPN over the years, and proud to have you as a partner here on uh, the best Fridays in football. And this is a good story that even you couldn't screw up, Andy. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I, I could not. Uh, I would, Andy's candies would wrap it up properly and put it under, you know, shelves for Halloween for sure. Um, you know, Cassie, the one thing that I was going to ask that we've talked about off air, what's been your experience like so far with the, the season college football you've been in the Grove at Ole Miss and Oxford. And so far you've been in the swamp of Florida. What's been your experiences so far on the ground? What have you been seeing? What have you been feeling? Being at Ole Miss that first Saturday was really strange because if you did not go into the stadium to watch the game, you wouldn't know there was a college football game going on. And that's a campus that's known for partying and Mm. tailgating. And it probably didn't help that it was raining. And so people were not even going to go out, you know, and sit in the rain just to tailgate when they couldn't even tailgate on the Grove. But there were not many people out and about. It was an early game as well. 
but it was the first game. It was the first game of the Lane Kiffin era. I really thought there would be a little bit more excitement, but there was very yeah. few people out and about. There was uh, there was not a lot of fans around. And now they did trickle into the stadium as the mm-hmm. game got closer and as it started. Um, I would say probably it was probably around 20% full. And it, it did get more of a game day feel once the once it was time to kick off. Just because of the way that stadium is built, you know, it's a little bit smaller, so it felt fuller. And uh, but and then going down to downtown Oxford that night, there was more people out and about, all in their Ole Miss paraphernalia and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so that felt a little more lively. Um, but there was just only so much you could do in the pandemic when tailgating's not even allowed. Yep. And at the home of tailgating, it was weird to roll up in there and not see them. Yep. And then same thing in Gainesville. Now, there were more people around campus in Gainesville. I will say that. And it was a beautiful day that day. So maybe that had something to do with it. It was not near the crowd that you're used to seeing. But there was definitely a hustle and a bustle once you got closer to campus. And especially once you got on campus and closer to the stadium. And uh, it was pr- it was decently full. The way that they have the stand set up at Florida, it's 20%. Um, but it's I think it's. 15 to 17,000 total mm-hmm. and they all of the seats are six feet apart and mm-hmm. so they go that the reason they got to that number is because that's how they were able to go from the bottom to the top of the stands and all the way across and still be six feet apart so mm-hmm. there were fans from the first row up to the tippy top row in the nosebleed and sprinkled out throughout the stadium so it wasn't 90,000 fans packed in there but it still felt a little bit fuller than maybe the Ole Miss game did just because simply of how Florida set their stands up. So it was kind of a better game day atmosphere, in my opinion. Castiel, she's the chief correspondent for Gator Bait, and also she's uh, the beat writer for the Jaguars for Sports Illustrated. There's a lot of things, by the way. Uh, Castiel, <laughs> I'm hearing rumors. I hate to use that word in our business, but I'm hearing more than rumors because I heard from a first responder in Gainesville uh, that they've been told to be on watch for next week. Because Governor DeSantis has opened up all these facilities, and they can, if they wanted to, open up to full capacity in the swamp, which, as we know, will be 90,000. Now, so far, university has not acknowledged that. I contacted university yesterday, asked them if they give the standard line where we're going to go with 20%. But the first responders are being told, stand by. It may be more than just the usual 15 or 20 percent, they may go either full or have capacity on your beat, and you cover it every day. Have you heard anything like that? And what would happen if that were the case? The only thing I heard, you know, just from those kind of that usually would whisper and be around would be, well, DeSantis says it's okay, so surely we must be doing it. That's not to say it's not going to happen, um, but it's, it's kind of been more hopeful just based off of what DeSantis has said. And then some people not hopeful at all, thinking that it's a bad idea. Um, but a lot of it has stemmed simply just from the message out of the Capitol. Now, I did email Scott Strickland's office just to find out as well. And kind of like you said, it was uh, the standard company line. But they said, quote, we will continue to follow the guidance provided by our experts at UF Health as well as campus officials. Which tells me, if nothing else, the decision they make on the attendance, whether it goes up or stays the same, will be based on their decision on campus and not the decision out of the governor's office. 
Well, it's going to be exciting time to go out to, uh, to it's not West Texas. I misspoke about that. Southeast Texas, <laughs> really. Yeah, it's, it's, it's as East Texas as you can get. Yeah, southeast, southeast, and from from Dallas for sure. So anyway, so the bottom line is that uh, uh, we'll wait and find out about the crowds. But uh, before we go, Andy, uh, uh, I know you're a big college football fan, and you don't root mm-hmm. for the same teams. Uh, but uh, have you ever been to Kyle Field? And by the way, that's one of the few I have not been to in the SEC, and I think I'd like to go to it when it's full, Andy and Cassidy, and see the 12th man and all that sort of stuff. What can you share, Andy, and about that at all? You've done a lot of things. I do. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, Kyle Field's very impressive when you drive up. It's it's mad. I mean, all these stadiums are big, so I don't want to act like it's unique in that sense, but Kyle Field's towering would be my word. It's very, very big, and it's straight up. Um, very, very loud, and it's a campus that's very tightly knit group. Um, and obviously from you know what they stand for, that it's a military-type campus. So there's a very, very loud campus, very, very together and harmonious. Now, look, it's COVID-19 world, so I don't know what that's going to be like on Saturday. But that's been my experience. Um, they, You'll see, I mean, I'm expecting some sort of good crowd, maybe casting speak about that more, but Caulfield's loud. And again, it's towering. It's straight up. Um, that that are, those are my memories from Kyle Field. All right, well, take us out and take us to Kyle Field, uh, Cassidy, and we'll round that up and and uh, wish you the best. Envy that you're going, but it should be quite a hit. What's your take? What are you looking for? And have you ever been there? I don't think you have. Have you? I have never been. I joined the Florida Beat about two weeks after Florida visited Texas A&M for the last time in 2012. And uh, so this will be my first trip there. I'm excited. I've always heard stories about it. I've always heard that the press box at Kyle Field is uh, unique because, like Andy said, that the stadium towers, and when the 12th man gets going, the press box sways. Yep. I don't know if we'll experience that with less people in it this this week, uh, but it should be fun to see. And I'm kind of interested to see College Station. My entire knowledge of College Station comes from something Will Muschamp said one time which was, have you ever been to College Station? If you have, you'll never go back, and you only go for a game. If you're there, you're there for a football game. <laughs> so, well, we'll I, I'm interested to see it. <laughs> well, have a great trip, and uh, we'll talk to you about your experiences. And Cassie does a lot of things with us. She's on the Buddy Martin Show. She'll be doing hosting her own, uh, I don't know what we call it yet, roundtable soon. You'll be hearing her back on this podcast, the uh, Best Fridays in football. Cassidy Hill, Gator Bait, SI, and Andy Billman, you stand by while we get back to your picks. I need to make some money. I lost some last week on your picks, okay? A lot of cavities. A lot of cavities. We're here proof. <laughs> Thanks, Cassidy. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good weekend. Take care, Cassidy. Well, Andy, it's time to uh, – we got only a couple of minutes, well, if that, to get our picks in on Andy's candies for those people standing by with pen and paper. Why don't you go ahead and give them some bets? All right. Hi, everybody. Like, look, last week we um, we just had a slow start, but Andy's Candies has got the real stuff this week. We got the Godiva. We're ready here. We're going we're gonna to fire it up. Um, we're going to – Godiva. We're not going to mess around. We, we, we slow start, but we're ready. We got a sugar rush of picks. We're going to stay mostly in the state of Florida this week because I think that will be fun. But let's lead off with Bama and Ole Miss, the night game on 730. 23.5 points for Kiffin. I actually heard – Someone else on another uh, podcast talked about this game, and I agree. Even though Alabama's going to win, I and I that was my one pick that worked out as one and five. 
I would take Ole Miss here in a 23 and a half points. It's on a Thursday, so that's how many points I'm getting there. Miami at Clemson's a 7:30 game on ABC, buddy. Um, I've been back and forth in this game. Clemson has not been on the right side of the spread all year, but I think they will be. I think it's going to be tight, but because it's a big game and everybody's talking about it, and hey, it's Miami, and I, I heard you guys talk about this. It's the claim of the fame is Miami back. Um, I think in this game they'd lose, and I, I would take Clemson, but it's going to be a nail-biter. You're giving away four, 14. I still think you'll be okay with Clemson. Uh, the game that we're all talking about here on this is Florida and AM. That's at noon on ESPN. Florida's giving six. I think you take it. Um, I thought Mund actually played better against a um, I mean, against Alabama, to be fair. They still lost big. I think Florida's got too much. I think Florida's – I know they had a goofy second half, and people thought they took their foot off the gas, but Florida's very good. Uh, I think Florida will, will cover the six and be okay. And then for my game, because I'm a big Irish fan, and I'm going to strap on my Irish hat here, um, there's another team called Florida State. They're coming in, limping in, I would say. 21-point um, dogs Woo! in South Bend. Uh, buddy, we're going to take the Irish and roll. Um, the Irish have been resting for two weeks. They've had some COVID issues, and I think they win big. Uh, Florida State's is not very good. So take you're going to give 21 points, and you can put your feet up on Andy's Candies. This is a gift wrap special. Now for my two-minute warning. Once in a great while, along comes a story that a writer falls in love with. Such is the case of the Kyle Trask story. About a year and a month ago, when hardly anyone outside Gainesville had heard of him, Trask came off the bench in Lexington, Kentucky, when starter Felipe Frank suffered a season-ending injury. A quarterback who hadn't started a game since he was a freshman in Manville, Texas, brought the Florida Gators back for the victory over the Wildcats, and they did it again and again and again. Eleven times has Dan Mullen's team cracked the top ten, with a New Year's Six Orange Bowl win over Virginia, he did it. Yet nobody outside Florida even knew his name because of a guy named Joe Burrow, whose light was shining way too bright. On Saturday night in College Station, about 100 miles from where he grew up, the guy named Kyle, after Kyle Field, has a chance to go up against a team that snubbed him, didn't want to give him a scholarship. He also has a chance to advance the cause of his number three, or number four, depending on which poll you favor, ranked Gators by beating the school where his mom and dad graduated, which is why they named him Kyle in the first place. And by the way, probably throwing another touchdown pass or two to another Kyle, the best tight end in America, Kyle Pitts. Now you see why I root for this story. You should too. Come on. There's still room on the Kyle bandwagon. Thanks to all these people for making Best Friday in Football possible. Gatorbait Lighthouse Builders Truth, Honor, and Dignity, Dr. Jim Duke, the Orthopedic Institute, Sissy Long, in memory of her beloved Chuck, Lauren Meadows in Ohio, rooting for the Gators and for equality, Jeffrey Meldon, Meldon Law, where you matter most, Max Steen, former Gator captain, pulling for Coach Mullen's team, but always with the 69 Gators in his heart, Jeff Ulmer, loyal to the Gators, Hatters, Gator Bait and Ocala Quarterback Club. Also, thanks to the Ocala Quarterback Club, sponsors of the Scott Brantley Trophy, Mike McGinnis, captain, and to Renstar Medical Research, seeking tomorrow's answers 
to the health questions of today. On behalf of Urban Meyer and Terry Bradshaw, director Brendan Martin, and executive producer Andy Billman, we thank Cassidy Hill for joining us. And if you lose money on Andy's candies, don't come crying to me. And tell your friends about the best Fridays in football podcasts. See you next time where you find us now. Thanks for tuning in. Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 